Oh, hi, gozaimasu, you beautiful bastards. Did you miss us now that we're on a fortnightly schedule? Thought so. Miss you guys too. Well, this topic is 100% something that we all miss right now. Yes, travel. Um, you know, we all love that and because of COVID, there's not much to do right now. Not much traveling. But, you know, it's really great experience. It's something that has, you know, really broadened my horizons. It's really improved my life experiences with everything. And yeah. So what type of traveler is everyone? As in, you know, there are people that take very little luggage. And there are also people who bring their whole house with them. And then there's also another difference. There are those who walk super fast, trying to experience as much as possible in that country they're in. Or yeah. there are some that, you know, take it very slow, just trying to absorb everything in as much as possible, experience whatever area they're in. You know, which one are you guys? I think in terms of walking speed, it depends, right? Like, if it's a nice scenic area, I'm not going to walk really fast past everything that I'm supposed to look at, right? Uh, but uh, in, in general, I just try to take a chill and just relax. So you would say that I'm probably mm. uh, more of the slow walker. Uh, but, and in terms of how much I pack, I usually like to travel a bit lighter because I want to buy different sorts of things within the new countries that I travel to. And then... I would say there's a lot of different sorts of unique goods that you can buy, and that's why I just travel light. So is there actually a go-to souvenir for everyone here? Go-to souvenir? I feel like most people would usually get the stock standard magnet, and I try not to, but <laughs> I feel like that's a really good like, last option that you can get if you can't find anything. But I think it's funny that you asked about luggage packing, Jeff, because I find it difficult to find the balance between the two. I'm usually part doomsday prepper and part YOLO. So it's a good amount of like, I usually <laughs> try to pack as early as I can just because I know that there'll be a lot of repacking. I'll be like, oh, do I need this? Do I really need a pocket knife? Uh, no, probably not. But that's how I pack. And in terms of do, do I walk s slow or fast? I think I walk pretty fast because I try to maximize efficiency and if I'm planning, I usually try and keep it on a fairly tight schedule, which is why I also like to bring like um, like videography equipment, like a gimbal and stuff, so that I can record and plus do my maximum efficiency and look back, so I can kind of get both <laughs> of uh, you know best of both worlds. Yeah, I actually I think when I first started traveling, my schedule is really packed, so I end up like having to walk really fast to just tick everything off in the schedule, I guess. But after that, it's like, yeah, no thanks. I'd rather experience it slowly now that, you know, I've already experienced a fast-paced kind of holiday. Mm. Um, but that's a good point for your souvenirs bit. Like, I try to tailor my souvenirs to each person with small trinkets and stuff. So, like, I guess something that's useful is maybe charms that you can hang onto your bags or something. But... I do like your idea, Dom, um, using the magnet, because it's so easy. It's the most useful. Yeah. Everyone can use it. Do you have a lot of magnets on your fridge, Dom? I definitely, like, when I went to Japan with my parents, we definitely brought back a good amount of magnets from each kind of prefecture that we visited. Uh. But 
Uh, they also do fall off every now and then and break, so not not the most, I'd say. In terms of packing, though, like, yeah, I need, I need pack the essentials. Minimum. Does does that mean does that mean you, you just wear your underwear inside out, yeah. back to front? Yeah, exactly. One underwear could last you for four days. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's, that's still essential. Underwear is essential, what? bro. <laughs> well, uh, can confirm he doesn't do that because you know I've traveled with Jeff in Japan, um, and I don't think he did that. I mean, we all use the washing machine and stuff, which is standard. But <laughs> so I've traveled with Jeff in Japan, and I've traveled with Andrew in Hong Kong and Taiwan, but. So this actually just came across my mind, but have you guys traveled together before? Do Do you think you guys would would get along? Actually, now, now that you say it, it, it's interesting. I don't think I've ever traveled with Jeff, but I I reckon we can survive together. I mean, I like planning activities out, and then Jeff is chill enough to just kind of go with the flow or suggest good places or ideas. So I reckon it'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. Well, cool. Very <laughs> political answer, guys. all right so let's dive a bit deeper with reminiscing past travel experiences do you guys know or remember what's your favorite country to travel to and why so for me uh, i had the most memorable experience probably in canada when i kind of traveled to like montreal you know toronto vancouver ottawa like it was it was kind of memorable because like it was very dynamic I, i realized that the country of canada because Mm. it was both a mixture of cities as well as natural activities Uh, i really enjoyed like hiking like hiking up grouse mountain you know road trips to see canadian rockies but then there was a good balance right you could see like you know old quebec city with the european castles which is you know fairmont hotel you know those were definitely very memorable and quite a fun experience for me you were there for your exchange eh? how long were you yeah yeah I was so and originally I was there for only six months, but then it was so fun that I kind of extended it to a whole year, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a very, very memorable experience of travel because I lived there as well as you know just traveled around the whole country. Yeah. Okay. So you experienced all four seasons. <laughs> That's so oh, cool, yeah, actually. You, yeah, yeah. I, I reckon I reckon I would you would say it's mainly two seasons because mm. it just rains so much in Vancouver. Uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely insightful just seeing how a different country just operates in general. Vancouver and Toronto. I remember when you went, it was during high school, uh, so not high school, during university. And during university, I remember I came across this YouTube channel called Chainman. And he taught me that <laughs> all the ABGs are in Toronto and Vancouver. And I remember like telling you, like, go check. I want to, I want to, like, you know, I want to see some like hot Asian girls in your Instagram, mate. You better like make the most of your uh, exchange. And then when you said, when, when you told us you were extending it for another six months, it's like, I see why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely very, very fun in Canada. It, it just felt very safe um, overall. And, yeah, I don't know. I I felt a lot safer in Canada compared to just going into United States of America, mm. right? Um, I guess one downside to Vancouver, as I mentioned just before, was like it's great weather, but that's only fifty percent of the year, right? So like in twenty twenty, I think it rained like one hundred seventy one days out of three hundred sixty five. So that's forty seven percent of the year just rain, right? 
So, yeah, but regardless, I really like Canada because I think the people there make up the primary reason. Like, people mm. in general are just very friendly and approachable. Oh, yeah. Were you able to travel much then due to the weather? Like, well, half the time you're just staying indoors. No way. Like, in honesty, I, I did actually stay indoors a oh. lot and was just a homebody for 50% of the time because it sometimes just rained a lot and you can't, a lot of the nature, n- nature walks and all the hikes, you can't really do that during mm. the rain. So it was kind of annoying at times, but then I, I guess the first half of my experience was definitely great. But you could see both sides of, of the picture. Well, I guess, you know, even if it rains, you know, Canada's pretty famous for their poutine, right? So I just imagine when it's raining, you're just, you know, in, in your dorm and just eating, like, tons of poutine. And I love poutine. And, like, the closest I've found, or the only one I know of in Sydney is the one at Bar Luca. And they've got, like, one in the city and one in Parramatta. And every time I'm in either of those suburbs, I'm like, yep. Okay, one uh, poutine, please. <laughs> uh, so that that actually reminds me, Dom, when you were talking about Baluka. I remember, I think Baluka has a burger called Blame Canada. Mm. Uh, yeah, so so there's like maple syrup and everything in it. Um, and I think that's where they've initially got where uh, poutine. Um, so I guess poutine's quite famous for uh, within Canada. So for people who don't know what it is, it's actually French fries with gravy and cheese curds and emerged from Quebec in Canada. So I actually used it used to have it as a late night snack from the university Maccas <laughs> or like just nearby bars like they always served it. It was just like the go-to, right? It's it's practically the same as like fish and chips here in Sydney, right? Um but apart from the basic poutine, have you guys heard of beaver tails or mm. elk or bison burgers? Uh no. <laughs> I, 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 like when you Please. say that stuff, it just kind of reminds me of like in a, like in Australia, we would have kangaroo or crocodile meat. Is it, is it like that? <laughs> okay. So, so I guess, I guess the name beaver tail is kind of a bit misleading. So it's not actually a beaver's tail that we eat. Oh. Uh, it's actually like a fried kind of donut, like fried dough pastry. Um, and it kind of resembles a long flat tail of a beaver. And then what people put on it is like a lot of chalk hazelnut with bananas, you know, different sorts of Oreo flavors. It's kind of like a sweet uh, snack that people have. It's super sweet. And usually you would need to share it, but that's what beaver tails are. Sounds then, like a pizza dessert, like dessert pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that, that that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah, it does sound like a dessert pizza. Pr- practically that, right? A pizza dessert. Hmm. Yeah, but um, in terms of bison and elk burgers, you're 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 quite on the spot for that, Dom. It's kind of similar to how people talk about kangaroo meat or like crocodile meat here in Australia. Uh, it's just like the some of the animals in Canada, and then people just made burgers from it. Um, I kind of tried it in like Canadian Rockies when they had a lot of those sorts of wildlife. Um, elk is kind of like a deer, and it's very lean, so that's the one I tried. And then I know that bison burger that my friends tried, they said it was very fatty. So that Ooh. one was very good as well. Oh. So yeah, so th- th- those were all the different sorts of foods in Canada and kind of comprised of why I had such a good experience there. Mm, yeah, you did come back a bit rounder. <laughs> <laughs> too, much, uh, too much poutine. I think that was what we attributed it to. Yeah, poutine every, every snack midnight. 
I, I turned into a cheese curd, huh? <laughs> a round cheese curd. <laughs> so, it's good that you speak of uh, burgers because that kind of leads into my favorite destination or one of my more one of my um, favorite destinations that I've traveled to. So, in New Zealand, in Queenstown, they have this joint called Ferg Burger, which is I don't know if it's the most popular, but it's got like over ten thousand Google reviews. And I feel like anything with more than 10,000 must be pretty, like, up there. So... That's an insane amount. I know, right? And... That's quite a lot. Like, I re- So, for New Zealand, I... Me and my friends, we kind of road-tripped around the South, South Island. And I remember when we were driving into Queenstown, I saw this this massive crowd of people and this massive line snaking around past multiple buildings. And I was thinking, oh, it must be, like, um, like a celebrity or, like, um, a band that's come into town... But no, it was Ferg Burger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, aside from that, Queenstown's quite known as a popular tourist destination. Like, they've got lots of action sports and it's right on the lake. So, you can have really picturesque views. Um, I remember doing this... Do you guys know what a luge is? So, is, isn't it like a kind of like a mini go-kart, but... Instead of motors, you kind of just use gravity down the hill. Yeah. It's like really surprising. You'd think that this thing, looking at the size and the weight, it wouldn't move, right? But it uh-huh. it really goes when you send it. Like, exactly what you said. Like, you, you can only really break and you use a momentum to propel yourself forward. And so, what where they have it is they have it at the, like, at one of the peaks um, near Queenstown. And as you go down their circuit, their route you get to see like such an amazing view plus you get to like race with your friends race race with randoms and just kind of speed down and uh like 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 tokyo drift right tokyo drifting through through the mountains in new zealand huh Pretty, yeah I, I, I guess yeah you you could definitely definitely draw parallels between the two um, I, I i know i definitely didn't tokyo drift when i was actually driving cuz some of the uh some of the the pathways around new zealand can be a little a little dangerous but no, it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, driving around the South Island in a road trip style was very different to other countries, you know, where you usually take public transport, MTRs, trains, um, taxis. And it was pretty good because it allowed me to, you know, visit a lot more places and see more sites. So, for example, like you guys might know, um, a lot of a lot of Lord of the Rings was filmed there. And that was really cool to see. But we also visited Christchurch. So Christchurch is another city in the South Island, and it's very different to Queenstown. It's a lot more chilled. It has like yeah. more of like a, this hipster vibe with electric scooters, and it's also the place where I first experienced a hangi. I don't know if you guys have heard of what that is. What's what's hangi? Like wait, hanji from Attack on Titan? <laughs> <laughs> well, trust you to say something like that. How do you spell? Oh, Colin? it's so it's pronounced Hangi, but I think, but yeah. it's spelled H A N G I. Oh, okay. So, I guess if you replace the G with 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 a J, then sure, yes, Attack on Titan. <laughs> 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 uh, but basically, it's a traditional Maori way of cooking food that uses like a pit oven. So you kind of you dig a hole in the ground, um, you put in a bunch of meats. So you put in. Uh, usually they put in pork, lamb, 
some put in chicken and beef, whatever. It's usually kind of like more fatty meats, but they also put in um, like vegetables, like potato, pumpkin, cabbage, and then you kind of cover it all up and just let it kind of sit through and, and marinate and cook in the juices. And it is so Ooh. nice. Like, oh, I, I want to have one right now. I, I guess you did this, it was all outdoors as well. So it's like a cold winter night and then there's like a pit oven like where you had this sort of dish. Is, is, is this what it is? Um, I didn't have that in it, that setting, but we rocked up to this. Uh-huh. Uh, it just looks like a random convenience store. And we went there because we were trying to Google what, you know, what to do in Christchurch or what to eat in Christchurch. And that came up. It was really interesting because you go in there, three scrawny little Asians Everyone there is like, you know, your big kind of typical <laughs> Maori dudes and even the lady, but they're all like, they're all really sweet. And we could kind of see in the, like see through the the storefront to the back and they were, they were actually like, you know, they had that the, um, the ground pit going and they were just cooking it through. But, mm. um, yeah, we, we, I think we just had it for lunch, but damn, it was a good lunch. Damn. Yeah. I love these kind of traditional kind of methods kind of cooking like the way you described already sounds amazing oh uh, yeah <laughs> like just the just the method itself right just... you know, like, it, it's making me hungry <laughs> i mean people don't know it's kind of lunchtime now <laughs> the, the time that we're recording so it's already making me hungry all right yeah, you're right <laughs> apologies moving on to the next point <laughs> so um in new zealand aside from you know food uh, it offers a lot of you know ever-changing landscapes and we did a ton of hikes and depending where you are like some days we would be wearing t-shirts and then the next day on a different hike we'd be wearing like down jackets so it's very interesting um to experience and did you guys know i, I know i spoke briefly about lord of the rings earlier but the entirety of the film was filmed there and over 150 locations the the shire if you know where the hobbits lived they've turned it now into a popular mm-hmm. tourist attraction called hobbiton and you can visit that and yeah you can i guess you could kind of be a hobbit for a day <laughs> okay i knew hobbiton was in new zealand but i didn't know the entirety of the film was filmed in new zealand yeah yeah, that, that was surprising. Like, 150 locations, that's quite a bit. I think, yeah, they just kind of took everything New Zealand had to offer and were like, alright, guess we'll just film the whole thing here. <laughs> the actors must have had a blast. Well, the staff, the whole staff. Yeah, like, now you can, um, there's even, like, tours that you can go on. They take you in, like, 4 by 4s and just kind of drive you around to each location. But, I mean, since we were road tripping, we kind of just followed them <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> Still, still oh, okay. their uh, their free tour. Sounds like you guys, you know, got really into nature for your travels. Mm. Um, personally, for me, I'm a weeb, so naturally, I would love tra- <laughs> go traveling to Japan. <laughs> and actually, on at 2020 January, um, that'll be my third time where I went to Japan, and Damn. this time I went with my family. Now, due to COVID, um, so January back then was when we, when the world recently discovered mm-hmm. about the disease. So during that time, people kind of were, were wary about it, but not too much. So as in, 
So when I was in Japan, um, tourists stopped uh, going going to Japan, but there weren't lockdown restrictions. So because of those circumstances, I actually had a really good time in Japan because oh. normally everywhere you go, it'll be super crowded and stuff, right? But in January for me, there were no tourists at all. So when you go to super famous restaurants or if you go to extremely like touristy areas, there were no one there to compete, compete with you. You can just walk into a restaurant and eat and order your food. And if you want to take pictures of Mount Fuji, you could just take it, right? Hmm. Like the uh, whole scene was to yourself. Uh -huh. It was amazing. Uh I think you went in a good time because I think I went on the same year as you, but I went around like February and by then there were heaps of lines and it was also during like Chinese New Year, uh... I think. So there were so many people in Japan at that point and it was just lines everywhere, right? Especially lines trying to get masks at that point because mm. everyone was panicking oh. because of COVID. So yeah, like I think you went directly at a good time where, you know, it was uh, less people just in general at the different places. Oh, interesting. So people came back out for the Chinese New Year. Yeah, yeah, New they, Year. they actually, yeah, yeah. Every, everyone was just going on usual holidays uh, during Lunar New Year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's very lucky then. Yeah. And yeah, like when I went Mount Fuji, uh, I went with this like, I used Kluke, which is oh, yeah. a website for like your tours and stuff. Normally I wouldn't, I wouldn't really like going on tours, but this one was really good. Like, especially if you want to travel to Mount Fuji, right? Uh, public transport is really annoying there to use. So the only option for you, if you want to explore the Mount Fuji area would be hiring your own car, right? Mm. <laughs> or get a bike to bike around. <laughs> but. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, this this tour this tour um was great. That you get a matcha experience. They taught you how to make matcha tea. You enjoy the view at Lake Kawaguchi. Um, so again, no tourists there to compete with you. you just take pictures. Um, and another lucky part is there were no clouds in sight on that day. Usually, Mount Fuji would be covered with clouds. Mm. But that day, there were no clouds at all. And yeah, and then we did go to Oshino village. So it's one of those traditional looking villages with like olden day Japanese architecture. Oh, is that the ninja village? I heard there's a ninja village nearby. Like Naruto, Sasuke! <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I don't think so. If it was a ninja village, I probably would not have seen it. Mm. Get it? That, that was the joke. Yes, because he didn't. Yes. I did not. I did not get that. But okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Good try. Good try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Back to the tour. So we ended the tour with shopping at Gotemba, and surprisingly cheap. You know, for tour groups that take you to shopping malls, this place was very reasonably priced. I don't think they jacked up anything as a tourist trap. 
it's quite interesting hearing all that because uh, this is the same tour I went on in uh, like almost like 10 months before Jeff went. And yeah, I mean, you're the like <laughs> one that introduced me to the website and <laughs> thanks for the recommendation. Yeah, so I, I'm like hearing this and I'm like, yeah, this sounds very familiar. <laughs> good value, good value. You should do that too, Andrew. I think I just traveled to Kawaguchi just by myself. Like we just caught a bus there mm. and we just lived at the hotels there. And then we just, I think there's a, there's a lot of buses around there, like tourist buses that you can catch. You have oh. a day pass and then just catch it all around the lake. So it was pretty good for, for for me too. Like we just, it was a lot fle- a lot more flexible, but I guess there's like some things like, for example, that, that village that you just talked about, like, I didn't get to go there. Mm. Like there's some far away places that's a bit harder to get to. But overall, it was a great experience for me too. Like we had like Fugu. I think that's where we had Fugu at one of the hotels. It was like a 10 course meal or oh, something. Wow. Oh. And there was like Fugu. And then that we, we had an onsen with a direct view of Mount Fuji. Oh my. That was an like, amazing experience. But yeah, for anyone that hasn't been before, definitely worth, worth a visit once COVID is over. Yeah. Like it's an amazing, amazing experience. I think that's quite interesting because the way you described it was obviously you had to plan um, a bit more, right? About how to get around and uh, what places to mm-hmm. visit. And for my Japan trip, I planned literally like the entirety of the two and a half week um, holiday, except for this one day where it was this Kluk tour. It was the most relaxing day I had. Like, it was so great. <laughs> you know, like for once I didn't have to tell, like I, I traveled with my parents. I didn't have to tell them where to go, what to do. It was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a passenger this time. I, I get told what to do. How nice. <laughs> mm. Oh, there was this really nice experience. So I went to eat omu rice at Dotonbori and this restaurant was called Hokyokusei and it was the restaurant that founded Omu Rice oh so so how how was that like did it actually live up to the hype of how Omu Rice has expanded globally now is it worth it Mm, yeah it was really good I guess like when you guys think of Omu Rice I think a lot of people think about the the video that went viral where they sliced the yeah, they slice the egg oh, in one. half, right? And then everything, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. egg just melts onto it. <laughs> this was different. This was like, your rice is inside that layer of skin of egg. And it's not oh. like really runny, like the video, right? Um, uh, slightly okay. different. Mm. Yeah, slightly different. But yeah, I'll say it was really nice because... It's not overwhelming amount of egg. It, it's the correct ratio from rice mm. to egg to other ingredients like salted pork or something. So for that particular one that you tried, so was it just egg and rice? Or as you said, is there like other ingredients like salted pork? Yeah, yeah. Other, yeah there's so many varieties, right? So it all the dishes come with the standard rice inside um, the egg the omu rice mm. and then you have other side ingredients that goes with it right and that mm-hmm. completely changes the whole palette yeah i think i think that's one of the reasons why i enjoy going to japan because there's like so many new foods that you can try like traditional foods that you usually eat back in your home country and you find the origins of it for example for this one and like it's just so versatile like the the things that you can try and 
you know, um, experience in Japan from nightlife all the way to nature to city life, you know, even like traditional like history of Japan, all those sorts of things. Like it's, yeah, it's quite versatile in my opinion. Mm, legit, legit. I think like regardless of your budget, whether you want to have a low budget or high budget, you can still enjoy it, right? Mm, like, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first time going. I was with Dom, yeah. Dom and three other people. Three other people, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was good. I mean, we were students back then, like poor students. We were on a really tight budget. Everything we did was because it was cheap, right? Mm. We we flew to Japan because um, some airline had a sale. (laughs) That's good. Anyway, another like interesting experience I had was like at night, I went bar hopping just talking to locals oh, or cool. or people from you know around the world who came to Japan for working holiday ah yeah so they'll be there they're like a bartender right they can speak english and you can kind of just talk to them about their experiences it's really nice so so how many bars did you actually go to and yeah how, how do you, well i guess you communicated cuz they knew how to speak english but i doubt all of them you had to speak English, right? Mm. I went to about four or five bars. Mm-hmm. So some some of them, I talked with them via Google Translate. <laughs> I, I guess everyone was super friendly then if you just went bar hopping and just started talking to randoms. Yeah. Okay, there was this one. There was this one. They were kind of not very friendly. Like, I went into the bar and you could hear them mutter or gaijin. Oh. Right? Yeah. But I talked to them anyway, and they kind of slowly opened up. Oh, wow. And uh... by the... Yeah. Like, I guess they were not friendly at first. They kind of had this negative view on me. But, you know, once we talked via Google Translate, it was all good. And we kind of just shook hands when we left. Oh. It was nice. <laughs> That's so funny. Because from our um, get to know, you know, get to know the bananas that we found out that you're like... 80% introvert and yet here you are you know like talking to randoms in a foreign country with Google Translate that's pretty uh, as an extrovert I'm like mm, it's pretty out there yeah yeah I-, I saved up my socializing skills for about a year and then let it all go in like a week <laughs> you, you can only see the 20% of extroversion on holidays for Jeff uh, yeah exactly <laughs> it's where I save it up for <laughs> So that's a lot of interesting experience you had, Jeff. Bar hopping and just generally being a foreigner in a being a foreigner. <laughs> so, so being a foreigner comes with a lot of different sorts of tips and tricks you would need to survive or you know fully experience that other country. So, do does anyone have those sorts of tips and tricks off the top of their mind? I feel like being a foreigner in any country, people understand numbers. So. Whenever you need to bargain, you know, you um, you approach the vendor, you take out your phone, you open the calculator app, you put in a number, you show it to them, they shake or nod their head, and based on that, you like, you give money or you put in a new number and you just do it again. And like, I feel like that is a very effective method. So, so numbers and body language takes you very far when you're in a foreign country, eh? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, there, you know, there. I think there are some universal human signals that kind of everyone understands. Like, a nod of a head, a shake of a head, uh, can get you pretty far. Thumbs up, thumbs yeah. down. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, true. That only works for like China or certain <laughs> Asian countries where where you can bargain. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You can bargain in, a, in depending where, like I guess, what sort of environment you're in. Um, let's say if you're in a Western country or in a Mediterranean country, if you go to like those markets, you can bargain there. But obviously, if you go into oh, Walmart, okay. I don't think you should bargain there. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What about you guys? Does this count as like a tip and trick? Uh, we were in Malaysia once, me and Dom, and we were in like a really dodgy looking hotel. Oh no. <laughs> it looked our room looked like a storage room that was refurbished <laughs> as a new purpose with a new purpose oh it was so dank man the cockroaches cockroaches are like huge oh yeah and all that oh but, gosh yeah that's just how dank it is and we we were pretty paranoid about what's gonna happen yeah like, is someone gonna knock down our door and stab us in the middle of the night so we put a chair over the handle and put some weight on the chair so <laughs> they wouldn't get in. <laughs> it's so it was so lame. Is is that a good tip and trick? Um, I don't know. Like I feel like we should probably because we were it wasn't just us two, right? Um, Caroline was there as well, and mm, mm. we should we should probably like hit her up again and be like, yeah, what what did you think during that time? Like were we just crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that reminds me. There's a, like I've seen a lot of reels and a lot of online social media having these sorts of locks that people travel with, and they put it at hotel doors one. in between the actual door handle. Oh, <laughs> actually, oh you wow. have one I of those. One. Yeah, I have one. And it, yeah, yeah. So so you you put it between the the door and the actual door handle kind of mm. thing, and then once you slot it in, what it does is that it creates some sort of security mechanism yeah. so people from on the outside can't open in. Into oh, the door. oh, there we go. So, I, so, 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 like, your mechanism was just a few years ahead of its time, I guess. Well, I mean, our one is freaking pretty shit. Like, honestly, I don't think it's going to stop it. But, I mean, that mechanism that you talk about, it is somewhat effective. Again, it depends on the door and what sort of um, mechanism it has to open and close a door. And ah. the mechanism, like, the, 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 the device itself isn't the most sturdy. But, I mean... If someone wanted to open your door, like, accidentally, they definitely wouldn't be able to do so. But, like, mm-hmm. it's only, like, I think, 10 bucks AUD, so it's a good... Mm. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? You only need to just prevent them or, like, you know, once they find resistance in opening a door, they'll try another one. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. the whole point, yeah. Yeah, well, there we go. That's a good tip and trick. I think another one, especially because that um, that story that Jeff just told, that was us in Malaysia. And I feel like in, in most Asian countries, I don't know if you guys have ever heard, but um, ice, right? Sometimes the water isn't the cleanest in Asian countries and you can sometimes get like stomach issues from them. So I had two friends in Hong Kong and them two plus like his family, they all got like food poisoning and everyone was trying to figure out what it was. And then I just asked them, I was like, oh, because I remember sometimes when you look at the ice cubes, you can see like little air pockets and they're like in the shape of like little worm things. And I'm like thinking like, is this like, is this like, what is this? Is this like bacteria? Is this like, I don't know what this is. So I asked them like, 
because they couldn't narrow it down. I was like, did you guys all take uh, like drink ice? And they were like all thinking about it, and they were like, yeah, it was from that one shop. We all had like ice drink from that shop, and then they all got like food poisoning like that oh night. Oh my! And I was just, God. I was like, oh, trust. No. Yeah, so only drink bottled water. <laughs> Or well, depending how strong you're... I mean, it's pretty hit or miss, right? Like, I've never gotten uh, stomach problems from drinking ice drinks, but I guess that's, I've just been lucky or something like that. I I, th- I think that would explain why our Asian parents always want us to boil our water <laughs> because they're so, they're so used to, like, in all honesty, they're so used to back in their own Asian countries, they had to boil water so that the water was clean. Mm. Right. Yeah. If it's it was just like you know raw water from the taps, it wouldn't be as clean as you know you boiling it and removing all the bugs and whatever was in it. Yeah, you're right. My mom goes crazy if I just drink tap water, even though it's completely safe here. I mean, I think other good tips. I know when I was in Japan, I tried to book accommodation next to train stations, so. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly, I, I think I paid for like the cheapest, smallest accommodation because I knew that after a day of <laughs> maximum efficiency, <laughs> we'd be, uh, we'd be so tired that it doesn't matter if it's comfortable or not. Five ten minutes, you're gonna, you're gonna knock out no matter what. So as long as there's a bed and it's next to a train station, that's all I needed. I mean, I had the same experience, right? Like, it's book accommodation, five ten minute walk from a station. The place was small, but it was the best thing ever, right? Because after a pack schedule, after a good day, you just want to knock out. Mm. I think it's also good, another tip and trick, especially in Japan, is if there's a close by 7-Eleven. Because 7-Elevens are open quite late in Japan, and that means that when you finish going out exploring the city and you just need for example you want some dessert you need some small snacks or you just forgot to buy something uh, easily you can go into 7-eleven and and get whatever you need and that, that was kind of like how i ended my trip with my family every every day after mm. our exploration we'll go back go into 7-eleven see if we need to buy you know buy a coffee you know buy buy, buy some desserts you know or even buy breakfast for the next day yeah right um just some something small they're actually um, convenient. And yeah, that's really good. Those yeah, convenient very, very stores convenient. are actually convenient. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> no, but like, yeah, I mean, 7-Eleven in Australia, it's like, it's just any other store. You kind of have to walk a very long way there. Yeah. <laughs> They're not really, yeah. I guess, convenient. convenient. Unless, <laughs> unless like you live in the CBD, then maybe, yes, it is convenient. Yeah, but like right next to it is Woolies anyway, so it's just buy something from Woolies instead yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's true uh, so one more thing about about it is the ATM machines in the airport are like worse than the one the ATM machines in the convenience stores in Japan oh what do you mean I was able to use my card at Lawson or something to get to get cash out but at the airport they didn't accept certain cards Ah, uh, I, I, I thought you were. T- I thought you were talking about the exchange rate because I know at Lawson, I feel like the exchange rates are sometimes better um, than the usual exchange rate uh, exchange stores that you would see at the airport. Mm, well, yeah. that, that that's that. Yeah, that's depending if you have those particular right. like travel travel cards. 
but usually convenience stores you can definitely get um, Japanese yen using your travel cards. Yes, yes, they are. The rates are better actually. Oh, <laughs> so don't do it at the airport or the train station. Right, do it at a convenience store. They have it all. So, so that's a lot about Japan. So, so what 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 other Asian countries do you have in terms of tips and tricks? So, I remember when I went to Taiwan with uh, Andrew and a couple of friends. I remember think I think it was reading on TripAdvisor or something, because in Taiwan it's fairly cheap to get in a taxi and go to different locations, but only. Only if you speak Mandarin. So I remember every time getting in a taxi, I'd go to the front seat and I'd like try to strike up like casual conversation with them just to prove like <laughs> I know chi- I know Mandarin. You can't rip me off. <laughs> and I remember like I'd hold my phone next to my like my leg and just like check where he's driving and be like if it is if if it's the most efficient route. Don't know if it's actually true or not, but we did not get ripped off a single time. So I will say it was proven. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it worked. I I think I remember as well. Another tip, at least within Taiwan, is try to go to the night markets because there's a lot of really good, unique foods and snacks there.、Mm. There's plenty of eating there. Like I think we definitely gained some weight there, didn't we, Dom? <laughs> when we traveled over to Taiwan, <laughs> I feel like we did, but we had a good strategy. It wasn't like we went to one store and everyone got the same item, right? Like we got like one item from each store and everyone just kind of shared it around. And that way, we got to try everything. Plus, we got to get、mm-hmm. fat, so it's it's kind of worth it. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Just reminds me of the pepper buns that we had、oh. in Taiwan. Those were those were so good. Now you guys, are, now I'm definitely feeling lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> so so apart from Taiwan, for me in America, I think one of the tips I had was try to Uber everywhere.、Um, Because I remember when I was in Portland, and it was after a late night.、Uh, initially, we we caught a bar,、uh, caught an Uber to a donut donut place, a very popular donut donut store in Portland. And then after that,、uh, because we had a day pass for buses, my friend was trying to you know make sure that we did it, we used the maximum value of it.、Mm. So it was late at night, and we walked to the nearest bus stop, which was in Chinatown. I was not too comfortable <laughs> with that, in all honesty.、Uh, and then it was it kind of proved that it was not really a good idea because we're waiting in the bus stop, and then around five ten minutes in, suddenly there was like a group of I'm not sure if it was homeless people、oh. or just just people that were shouting really loud across the streets, like three or four of them walking towards us、oh. as well、oh. in Chinatown. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, this was a bad idea. And then they 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 actually did walk up to us, and they were about to like, you know, just just like trying to make conversation,、oh. you know, like look at us, you know, trying to. I don't know what they were trying to do, but we kind of just pretended we were in conversation, like kind of ignored、oh. them, and they slowly walked off. But they still kept on shouting down the streets, right?、Oh. Um, but from that point onwards. At night, we're just like we have to catch an Uber back home. Like sometimes, like it's it's just too dangerous,、uh, especially if you're a bunch of Asians,、uh, yeah, by yourselves.、Mm, good tip. Good tip. Noted. Any tips for Canada 
I mean, for Canada, not really. Uh, overall, it, people were just so friendly. It was it was very tourist friendly in general. So not any particular tips. I would say go when you're hiking or snowshoeing. So snowshoeing means you're hiking using these particular snowshoes. Make sure that you read the weather mm. <laughs> and bring enough sort of hiking sort of gear because a lot of people do get lost up on the mountains and there's actually like particular like post boxes i think or mailboxes where you register when you're hiking up oh. when you register that you're walking up at what time so that's what they do um so that to make sure that if something you know bad does happen that the rescue knows that some people are still up on the mountains do you check out um, when you finish yeah. Yes, yes. You check in and then you check out. So it's it's like the COVID app, but for oh. mountains. Oh, now. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. I feel like I, I somewhat don't believe Andrew based on our previous hikes experiences, and you know Andrew has a has a good safety good safety factor, and based off that, I'm like, would Andrew really undertake this kind of dangerous hike? This doesn't sound right. <laughs> So it's pretty safe already. Yeah. Well, it it has the right amount of precautions, as he just explained. So now I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. Fair enough, yeah. And then I think think last tips that we would have um, something interesting, at least, not necessarily a tip, but an interesting fact. fact, For in in Singapore, um, you're not allowed to actually eat durian within air conditioned places, mm. because what happens is that that smell goes through the whole air conditioning system and it goes through every room. So they don't allow it at all, or any sort of public transport. You would see that you're not allowed to eat durian, which is one of the fruits, uh, spiky fruit. Yeah, you're just not allowed to eat it. Which is funny because durian is such a popular fruit, right, in Southeast Asia, and pretty much everyone mm-hmm. eats it. And uh, I hope I don't get fined from this, but like many, many years ago, like when I was a very young kid and we were in Singapore, I think that's when the rules were, I don't know, early introduced or whatever. But I remember my family, we snuck a durian into a, into a, into a <laughs> hotel and we knew the rules, obviously, or we knew like it was really bad. I remember eating it in the room. Uh, with my parents and then we like wrapped it in like multiple layers of like plastic and stuff <laughs> and then we found like this dumpster and we put it in the dumpster oh my god <laughs> but, it's know. too late man the smell's already made it permeated late. yeah I'm like permeated into the carpet yeah I'm like oh, let's see who's gonna be staying here next <laughs> nice thanks for sharing your experiences about your travels I uh, really enjoyed your stories, yeah. I hope all our listeners learned something interesting today about the countries we travelled to and we'll explore once again once COVID is over. Hmm. If you liked today's episode, make sure to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and thank you again for your continued support. We hope you continue enjoying our content as much as we enjoyed creating it. Tell us about all the places you visit on our Discord channel. New Discord channel, hell yeah! Hey, you can find that. You can find that on our Instagram or our Linktree link. Uh, see you again in next two weeks time. Okay, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.